0: Dear friends, I bring you the blessings and greetings of the Massachusetts Council of Churches, a network of individuals and congregations and denominations convinced that what binds us together in Christ Jesus is stronger than anything that might divide us. Anything that might divide us, and you know how much attempts to divide us. And so I am grateful to be with this corner of the body of Christ today. Know that I will take your story and tell it to all of the other churches across Massachusetts I am honored to visit. Thank you. It's good to be here. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, I am bold to stand before your people and proclaim your word. God, send your Spirit upon us all that we might hear today the word we need in our lives—right here. God, I claim you again my rock and my redeemer. Amen. She called herself a Sunday widow. Each Sunday, Dan would head out for a long ride and Donna would stay behind. Saturday was their date day each week, an entire day and night spent together sustaining their 28-year marriage. But, she said, I called myself a Sunday widow because he was on that bike all day long. So yesterday, on Saturday, what should have been their date day, Dan's friends and fellow firefighters, we stood along the side of the road on Route 27 as it curves in Beverly along the ocean. We stood in the place where Dan was last alive, where air had last been in his lungs. We stood there to dedicate a ghost bike, a white bike, placed at the site of a crash. Engine four rumbled, and cars slowed as they went past. And I stood among the grieving to say again, Dear friends, we are all just fellow travelers trying to make it home. No longer just a -a one-day-a-week widow. A wife of 28 years now waits for one who will not come home. Man was going down a road from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. The story is so familiar that perhaps we do not hear the scandal repetition and popular consumption coats the surface. It is so familiar it loses that snap and that crackle. Good Samaritan has become shorthand for simply being a good person, a necessary and domesticated moralism to do the right thing. But a scribe asks Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus points him to the road. Now, I'll share with you one of my tricks. When I get stuck in Scripture, I often look at the geography. Where are folks standing? From where are they coming? and Where are they going? What direction are their eyes pointed? A man was going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho reminds us that this is not a story of urban violence, but the danger of the isolated places in between. And so we're in a desolate place, and there lies a wounded man stripped of his resources and his agency, and those who are like him pass him by. And the one who would save him is from another tribe. We have no easy parallels for the high level of animosity between these two. This is not. Harvard versus Yale. This is not Democrat versus Republican. This is more akin to contemporary Islam versus ISIS. It's that particular wrath reserved for someone who is trying to occupy the same place that you are. Jews and Samaritans for generations have hated, desecrated one another's sacred places. They have engaged in a war of words and weapons, and each tribe is sure that they are the one true religion. And so to his listening Jewish audience, Jesus sneaks in the generous Samaritan, the one who violates all of their stereotypes, hashtag not all Samaritans. And so what's more scandalous, even still, is not just the Samaritan hero, but Jesus's own experience. If you want to pretend to be Baptist and open your Bibles, I'll prove it to you. If you look in chapter 9, just before this, Jesus sends out his disciples ahead of him to make ready a place. But it's a Samaritan village. And the Samaritans, they refuse Jesus' entry and in luke 9 verse 54 james and john and i'm paraphrasing they ask jesus can we burn it down but jesus rebukes the disciples and he moves on to another village and when jesus tells the story it is the samaritan he puts in the role of the hero because those who have rejected jesus are not beyond redemption So when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King drew on this parable in his last speech before being murdered in April 1968, he mused on why the priest and the Levite failed to stop. King wondered maybe they were worried about being late for a meeting or if they would, quote, organize the Jericho Road Improvement Association. That's a possibility. Maybe they felt it was better to deal with the problem from the causal root rather than getting bogged down in the individual effect, end quote. And we know that Jericho Road. We know that Jericho Road that goes from Washington, D.C. to Hollywood through Ferguson and Minneapolis. The Jericho Road goes from Houston and crosses Oceans to San Juan. The Jericho Road runs past the Middlesex Jail and along Cambridge Street through Harvard Square and every place where God's people are not yet free. But the Jericho Road Improvement Association prods us to ask, why are there so many women and vulnerable people being abused at the hands of powerful men? Why are there so many black men being stopped for minor traffic violations? And Why are there so many travelers so heavy with debt? Why are there so many wounded along the Jericho Road? There is little hope. There is little hope to ever repairing the Jericho Road if we're only concerned about our own safe passage. King pressed his listeners to develop what he called a kind of dangerous dangerous unselfishness on the Jericho Road. A dangerous unselfishness. Now, for me, it has been a short route from being a daily cyclist to becoming a transit justice advocate. When I began riding my bike primarily as a form of transit in Boston, I noticed pretty quickly how many people were along the side of the road. You could notice pretty quickly how cruel and aggressive we travelers can be. Some transit users are more vulnerable than others. Some women, some poor folk and queer folk and people of color have long known this. Some of us are more vulnerable than others. But by bike, you could see it. Some roads are plowed more quickly. Some roads get repaired more swiftly. Our roads are hardly spaces of grace. and We tend to treat our transit like a race that we are uniquely qualified to win and whoever we run over along the way be damned. And so, after a decade of biking in Boston, I find myself having written a book about the spirituality of everyday cycling and standing yesterday along the side of the road reading the names of those who have been killed as we yet again dedicate another ghost bike because we have not yet repaired the Jericho Road. At every ghost bike dedication, we call out the names of the dead. Names like Marcia Deal, 65 of Cambridge was killed down by the Whole Foods when a dump truck took a right turn. We name Dr. Anita Kerman, 38, of Cambridge, hit and killed just at the end of the Mass Ave Bridge. We name Amanda Phillips, of Cambridge, 27, just up the road in Inman Square, in a five-way intersection that everyone knew was a problem. We named Jean Leonard, 31 of Cambridge, hit on Park Street in Somerville at that location where the street and the train cross, hit by a commuter trail, a commuter train where multiple people had already died. And we named Joe Lavin's, 60 of Lexington, who was hit and killed in Porter Square by a man driving a massive truck, who took a right turn in front of Joe, and did not have guards underneath to prevent him from being hit by the wheels. And yesterday, we added the name of Dan Pimenta, 53 of Peabody. After one particular crash that killed Dr. Anita Kerman, a fellow traveler decided he was not going to wait for the Jericho Road Improvement Association any longer. While the City of Boston was arguing with the State Department of Transportation about whose responsibility that section of Mass Ave was, a Dorchester architect named Jonathan Furtig took it upon himself to repair the road in a move known by transit activists as tactical urbanism. Under cover of night, Jonathan dropped orange cones and giant pots of flowers that he had bought at Home Depot along the road, and he made a DIY bike lane. He aimed to keep himself alive on his bike commute from Dorchester to Harvard Square, but he did so in a way that made others' lives safer, too. And in that, we got just that little bit of a taste of what the Jericho Road could be. And because of Jonathan's transit disobedience, there is now an officially installed protected bike lane on the Boston side of the Mass Ave bridge. I've come to believe a redefined success is not just each of us getting home quickly, but all of us getting home alive. And we will only repair the Jericho Road when we are as invested in the safe travel of others as we are invested in our own when dangerous unselfishness is our way of life. But the thing is that the Gospel writer Luke tips his hand just a little to scandalize the reader even further. When asked, which of these three do you think has become a neighbor, the scribe answers, the one who had mercy. And throughout the Gospel of Luke, showing compassion and having mercy are acts of God and God's agents. It is a Christ-like behavior to show mercy. And so the scandal of the Gospel reading today is not merely an offensive Samaritan hero, but the surprise of who God is. Because God shows up unannounced and uninvited by showing up as the Samaritan. I am sure the one in the ditch thought, Lord, I'd love some assistance, but not like that. And if that one in the ditch is anything like me, I think we tend to treat God more like AAA. I'll call when I want. I'll pay an annual membership, I'll demand quick service on command, and I'll ignore it the rest of the time. I'll travel under my own illusion that I am in control. Thank you very much. But in our desperation, wounded in a ditch, God risks everything to draw near to us, and maybe we reach out our hand to finally receive the help. Now that God would show up in the guise of our enemy, is deeply offensive. I've happily cataloged away my foes as bad people. To be absolutely clear, I believe in divine judgment, and yet the genius and the disruptive love of God showing up in the person we are most prone to demonize because our healing will not be complete without the one we consider our enemy. And so I have to find sympathy not just for the newly widowed, but also for the driver who killed a fellow cyclist. Because the road will not be repaired without them, too. And the scandal of God's profligate grace is that God is invested in everyone, and being invested in everyone means that God shows up in the face of our enemy. Most of the time, I find this enormously inconvenient. I just want to get home to Jericho. The reformer Martin Luther declared, The kingdom of Christ is a kingdom of mercy and grace, in which there is nothing but the continual carrying of the lost. And this is God in Christ Jesus. This is God in Christ Jesus, the Holy One who prioritizes care for the vulnerable and the lost. Our God is the God who draws near to our suffering. Our God is the God who gets up close with the wounded and the alone. Our God gets in and bends down to attend our womb and offer balm for our bruises. The Almighty stoops to the side of the road to tend wounded bodies. And the Savior messes with our easy categories of who is in and who is out God, who slays our binaries and offers enough grace for all. And so you heard the choir sing. It is a dangerous thing to say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus, if this is what Jesus is like. But to be more like Jesus, To love more like this Jesus, to get proximate to suffering more like this Jesus is the only way, church. It is the only way we repair the Jericho Road. Amen.